Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke. And we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon. Well, we've got some awesome news coming from CVent, don't we, Brooke? We sure do. As you may already know, our annual user conference, CVent Connect, is all about bringing people together for incredible live experiences. But even though we're not meeting in person this summer, CVent believes in the power of live. So we're excited to announce CVent Connect Virtual. That's right. This two-day event taking place August 25th through the 26th will give you the opportunity to hear directly from industry leaders, such as CVent CEO and founder Reggie Agarwal, and attend any of our 28 live breakout sessions discussing everything from virtual and hybrid events to safety and security to event marketing and program strategy for when in-person events resume. We'll also be hosting virtual meetups and appointments with both CVent and some of our industry partners. And Cody, you want to know what the best part is? What? It's all at no cost to event and hospitality professionals. What, free? That's amazing. I can't wait for the entire meetings and events community to come together. Make sure to secure your spot today by registering at cvent.com podcast and click on the Cvent Connect banner. I cannot wait. Cvent Connect Virtual is coming to everyone this August 25th through 26th. That's cvent.com slash podcast and click on the Cvent Connect banner to register for free today. Today we have Sean Chang, project manager for MCI and president of PCMA's Canada West chapter to talk to us about the state of international conventions. Yeah, Sean talks about how attendees come to events for three reasons, education and content, networking, and lastly, to experience that destination. And you know, that last one can be really hard in a virtual environment, but he has some really great suggestions. Yeah, and it was interesting to hear some of his tips on using gamification. So let's hear what Sean has to say. Great, well, thanks for joining Sean. Uh, so happy to have you on the podcast. Before we dive into the interview, can you tell us just a little bit about MCI and how you ended up as a project manager and also the president of PCMA's Canada West chapter? Um, hi, definitely. Um, first of all, thank you for um, having me on the on the podcast. It's definitely an honor. Um, for those of you who just joined, my name is Sean, um, and I am currently a project manager at MCI Guru uh, in the Canada office. So um, for me, so starting um, when I was closer to 10 years ago that I'm looking for uh, career change for sake. And um, I think at that time, event industry seems pretty, pretty attractive for me. Um, and then so I'm starting to diving a little bit more and kind of looking around. Um, so the first couple of years I was looking at, I was doing all kind of different, different events from wedding to festival to conference. And then I ended up finding that I actually quite enjoyed the conference environment. And then that's how um, I starting to um, volunteer a little bit more and taking a few more contract work with different conference management companies. And it just um, a couple of years ago that um, MCI uh, urgently need someone to come in uh, for two weeks to kind of get something going on and then so they call me and then I, I came in and I stayed uh, until now and it's almost five years now um, and then so so I kind of worked my way with the company um, I think for me that the, the, the best part working for a company like MCI um, like like agency which is I am able to experience and work on a lot of different projects uh, and, and that's kind of what, what I really like it. And, and that kind of tie into um, the more I work in the industry, the more um, 
passion I have to be fair for the industry and, and therefore um, when when I started to get more involved with the association like PCMA and and now I'm the current president for the for the local chapter. That's awesome. And I like what you said that you get to do a lot of different projects, which I feel like when you're in the meetings and events industry, things are constantly changing anyway. And especially right now, it's like mm -hmm. every day is different. We're all kind of learning the new normal. Yeah. And I feel like you're the very best person to ask about what are some of the things that are we we'll be facing immediately and especially for those international conventions. This is on the top of everyone's minds. Well, I think for, um, I mean, for the international convention, the immediate uh, question is uh, when uh, those convention can happen, right? Um, that, that, that kind of come down to two, two parts. Uh, one is the uncertainty on travel. Um, no one really knows when the international travel, not even allowed to do it. Um, and then another is the uncertainty on large gathering. Um, I know that um, right now in, in many cities in Asia and in Europe that they they starting to loosen up and the, the size of the event starting to allow to get bigger and bigger. I mean, in North America, we're definitely a little bit slow on this one. Um, but again, like the uncertainty on those two parts, I think is really put all the international conference uh, kind of on hold. And on a little bit more long-term, if you kind of bypass the urgency in the next couple of months, even when we are allowed to travel and allowed to host large gathering, um, I think that by that time, the, 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 uh, another question will pop up, which is, will people still want to do that, right? Like, you know, by that time, like, how, 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 like what's the percentage of the people who, will get familiar with the digital uh, participation. So they will, they, they will choose not to attend those large gatherings um, forever. So, you know, those are kind of like in a, in a, in a bit more near future. Um, the question that us as an organizer for international convention need to notice and need to um, try to answer it. Yeah, that's the question right there. Will people really want to continue to participate? I mean, so much has been changing in recent months. Uh, yeah. What are some of the warning signs that you noticed? I mean, the warning sign, well, right now, the, it, it seems kind of not the warning sign, but now we are talking about Zoom fatigue, right? We are talking about people get tired of the web, the, the webcast, tired of all uh, online conferencing, and therefore when we allow to meet, then we we will, you know, eager to me. But if you're looking a little bit longer, um, right now we're talking about we get tired of those virtual experience, but by that, that also means we are gaining a lot of the experience on, on virtual participation. And, um, you know, a good percentage of people, and then that, that kind of like, that force us as an event organizer to deliver um, better job on, on providing digital content to our audience. Um, but I also mean our audience might just get used to it or the audience will get, you know, what will require more um, on, on those type of offering. Um, and so, so then that, that come down to the long run. Again, the question is, well, so they will not come to, to physical maybe in the future, what that mean? Or should we give them a different reason to attend? Um, and I guess that's kind of the, the, the key question that we will need to answer here. Yeah, and, and I remember when I talked to you beforehand, you, we were talking about there's really mainly three reasons that people attend conferences. But I imagine those might have to be modified a little bit depending on uh, the new scenario that we're living in, in our current day and age. 
what are those three things that uh, that people will attend conferences for, and how can we redesign each of those parts to work with uh, you know the the current environment that we're in? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, um, if you're really looking at and this is really generic, but you know, you're really looking at uh, business event, whether they are uh, association conference or they are user conference uh, or they are, you know, product showcase, um, you know, what kind of whatever event it is, um, there's really come down to like three type of reason that really generate people to come. Um, the one is the, the reason people need to come is they need to learn something, you know, whether they need to, um, continue uh, educate themselves in their profession and earn the credit, uh, or they, they need to know the product they are using or they are selling better, right? So the, the, the learning is really important for this type of uh, large gathering. Um, and then so, you know, on, on this one in, in, the, in the near future, um, when we know a good percentage of the learning experience can be replaced virtually, uh, what that means for the, your entire event program. Um, I mean, a short answer is we, we will, you know, as an event organizer need to look into uh, make sure we provide a blending learning experience, um, which means the, the learning experience is not just keynote and you break out into different room and in each room, the speaker will just go through their PowerPoint and then go Q and A. And then if you are doing a panel discussion that consider innovative, Right, it just that's just not gonna cut it anymore. Um, that that in the, in like right now and you know in the in the real near future is how can we create a very dynamic learning experience that will fit both in person and online, and how can we create like mixed engagement touch point for for no matter where you are participant, the content that you're able to learn and engage and participant in some form of way. Um, and then, you know, another reason for people come to a uh, large gathering um, is to, to network and do business, right? So uh, whether it's you, you attending a trade show, um, which is your visit booth, you have the seller and buyer, um, or even just two scientific, like, oh, two scientists that they met at a conference and they start talking and they start to form a collaborate project to do together. Um, so in the near future, that also means that you know, right now when we looking at those programs, uh, if we know a percentage of the delegate would not be in the building like before, um, how can we make sure that we deliver the same result, you know, like we will need to actually, honestly, it, it forced us to, to really looking at our job more seriously, you know, because we need, in the past, like when we're talking about networking, it's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's make sure it's open bar and you know, everyone will be happy, right? Um, but now it's actually, well, how can we make sure the networking is actually meaningful? We actually be able to create quality connection for people. Uh, maybe is we will uh, implement um, artificial intelligence, we'll implement machine learning into uh, both the, the platform for digital audience, but also in person on site to help delegates and help you know our participants to find exactly what they want and what they need. And even by thinking about that, that also means that um, you know the, the the value that we are able to provide to our sponsor exhibitors to our partners um, that are going to be more tangible um, and going to be more. Um, reasonable you know like in the in the past that when you're attending a trade show uh you hope 
you will get a certain result. But if we now force ourselves to really provide a quality connection, then that, that actually going to be more tangible. So, you know, in the long run, it might not be bad. And last but not least, um, I think another reason, which is the part that um, I believe is the hardest part to replace for a physical event to virtual is the, the destination experience, right? Like, yes, you know, we all talk about we attending conference because we want to learn, uh, because we want to do business. But honestly, deep down, it's also because you want to go travel. Right, like you want, this is a great excuse for you to visit a city that you will never be able to, uh, or this is a great excuse that you are able to arrange your family vacation before or right after it. And so in the new normal that when we know uh, the, a good percentage of people were not able to physically be there, how can we try to still bring that little destination experience to the front of the people, right? Maybe that, and then using this as a way to create FOMO or using this as a way to, to really trigger those uh, virtual attendants that they feel, okay, I choose not to come this year and I'm regret it for you right now. So I will make sure I, I come next year. And that might be the way that we, you know, we're looking at our conference, we're looking at our business event in the future is to give people, like we give people what they want, but we give people more for the, for the, for the physical attendance. So the online attendance will want to, um, want to come in the next future. And there's a lot of association did that already. And there's a proof record that um, this strategy work. Yeah, you really hit on something there, Sean, that I've been thinking about a lot lately because, you know, when we talk about pivoting to virtual, it makes sense to design the content so that people are learning and to, you know, maybe use technology or other fun ways to make sure that we're connecting and networking. But I mean, the big part of going to these events is going to that destination, right? Whether it's London or Dubai or, you know, Australia, like there's all these like cool places that we can go and, and we go and we experience the environment, the food, the tastes, the sights, the smells, you know, that really does bring that excitement to the event. And a lot of uh, the reason why people go to events as well. So how do you give that kind of international destination experience in this virtual age? And um, that is a great question. And, and to be fair, I, I, that's what I say. I think it will be very challenging and difficult to replace that experience. And that is also why um, when people come down to, should I actually attend or should I just watch it online? That might be one of the big decision factor is the experience different. But um, I do think that, and that this is something that I don't think we as a planner are heavily talking about it at this moment, which is fair. Um, but I do think that there are ways to bring that destination experience to the virtual attendance. And I think uh, one good uh, example to, to start uh, exploring is looking at what Airbnb uh, did right now. So we are familiar with uh, the business model from Airbnb, which is you know renting house and apartment for traveler. Uh, I, person, I personally, um, is a big fan for Airbnb um, that I always enjoy the experience. Um, and of course, you know, during the COVID and pan pandemic that this, this business kind of got dramatically hit. 
Um, but then they starting to uh, rolling out something very unique, which is co-Airbnb experience. And they're starting to encourage it. Uh, you know, the hosts uh, at different destinations to offer virtual uh, experience course. Um, so for example, if you go into their website, you can uh, uh, learn how to uh, read poetry uh, in French with, uh, with someone in Paris. Um, you are able to uh, attending a cooking class um, with, uh, with a grandma in Milan, in Italy. Um, or you will be able, or someone from Dubai will take you uh, a secret walking tour uh, with um, her camera, um, go through some of the hidden street that you can watch and they will tell you the story. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, like those are the experiences that are still not the same when you are physically there. Um, but I think those are some of the good, um, good, Good response, I will say, uh, from the hospitality industry right now is trying to try to react to this type of new behavior change. So um, definitely no answer, but definitely seeing is something worse for us to look into it. Yeah, those are great examples. I mean, even like playing some music that's from the area. I mean, we I think we don't realize how we use all of our senses when we're at an event. And while maybe some of those can't be translated to virtual, there are some really cool things you can do. And I I love some of those examples you gave us. Yeah, I, I would personally love to attend a virtual conference and have like some kind of interaction with somebody from another country who's demonstrating a local part of their culture. I mean, that is something that maybe you can watch some YouTube clips or whatnot, but it's not interactive like you could really do and take advantage of. So I think it's a really good point. I think that's something that people should probably start taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. but and if you if you even um, you know like go a little bit further on this one is if you are if you do still have the in person event um, in your destination, um, then what you can actually do is actually make the tour guide to be one of the delegates, right? Like you know the people who are actually physically in in the destination that and then that actually be the one who share um, you know his or her experience. Um, at the destination and putting online on the, on the platform for the virtual audience to look at. And imagine how how big the FOMO is gonna create for the people who are watching them at home and they say, oh, Mary, I know her and she's like having so much fun in London. Um, regret my decision now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think about, I mean, tour guides are really already there. They're already trained on how to make you really excited about the location that you're in. So that's a resource that people should really be tapping to, to give that international experience. Totally. But, you know, I want to shift and talk about one of the, the metrics that I think about with international conferences, and that has to do with room nights at the hotel that you have set up. Things have changed. I mean, we're not staying in hotels right now. So what is another metric that maybe our listeners can use to, to look at this differently? Yeah, no, and that is a, that is a million dollar question, honestly. Um, everyone is kind of waiting to see how that will pay out. Um, Runa is definitely, I mean, the, the, the key thing for, I mean, I don't think Runa uh, will, will fade away, um, but they definitely need to be not the only metric that we looking at international conference success. Um, I think one, um, one, one thing that definitely works for, um, hopefully for the industry to, to explore is the intangible uh, RI, the conference bring to the destination, um, is how, how, how this conference that, or how this business event that happen at your destination and what kind of impact 
it bring to your society and to your community. Uh, for example, if it's a medical conference that uh, that bring in, let's say, thousands of uh, pediatric into your city, um, can those pediatric do something with your community or with your kids uh, in the society? Um, and and or um, can, or how many uh, young uh, medical students uh, are able to benefit of the conference happening in your city and get inspired and actually decide to persuade this profession you know for, for their future I feel those are actually the the unsung impact for a business event or for international conference bring to the destination I think those are some definitely need to be taken into consideration, if not more important than simply room night or the direct spends to the city that week. Yeah, really good point. Um, not to switch gears again, but um, I was thinking more when we were talking about the, you know, engaging your audiences and all of that through those virtual events, um, how to bring the destination into it. One thing that we talk about a lot is gamification because, I mean, that's a great way to increase um, engagement in both virtual and the hybrid event models. Do you have any ideas or tips or tricks for event producers on how they can effectively use gamification? Um, I, I think before we dive into uh, what type of gamification, how to do gamification for engagement, I think the real question is what's the, the behavior of, of your audience are? Um, I'm, I'm actually playing this, uh, this concept a little bit right now is um, if you're really looking at virtual audience, there are two types. One is content consumer, which is, you know, like I, I attending this conference or I attending this session is because I want to consume the content. I want to learn something. I want to see something. Um, so those is really more like, you know, your Netflix user, right? So what you, what's the gamification or the engagement you would need to create for this type of audience is to create something that make their viewing experience easier and, and made them want to do a little bit more um, during their viewing experience. But there is a different type of audience which are content creator. So they are almost like uh, the gamer, you know, the video gamer that you are playing this video game is not just because you want to see the beautiful graphic, it's because you want to create something, because you want to achieve or accomplish something, right? So if that is your audience, then that will actually make gamification way more sense and you are able to design something more complex and really trigger people. So for example, maybe you can go as bold as uh, everyone, be able to attend a conference for free when you're very low cost. Um, but the more engaging you are, um, for example, the more session you attend, the more question you ask, the more booths you visit, then more functionality will open. Uh, that you are able to see more booths where you're able to access more VIP content that is not available for the regular delegates. Or you simply just pay more and to be able to get to, to get those assets. So that, so this, as you can see, this is like complete two different strategy for designing a gamification, but it's really come down to what your audience behavior are. And you might not be able to answer that question. For example, I won't be able to answer that question right away for my client. That require a lot of testing. Um, so that, that means that we will need to keep going. The, it's almost like doing the design thinking method, which is you need to keep discovery, 
keep redefine, keep come up with prototype and keep testing and come back again and testing. Yeah, this is so great, Sean. I, you know, it's such a great conversation to have and I'm so glad that you are on the podcast. If you had to leave one takeaway for our listeners, what would that be? Um, I think if I, if I can leave one takeaway uh, to everyone, I will say uh, this is a time for us to um, step up. Um, you know, this is a time for us to make sure we, uh, we deliver more than what we used to do. Uh, because we know um, if we don't change or if we don't provide the value, if we don't provide more value to our audience, they will just not come to your events. You know, in the future, boring event would just die. But event will not die because all the event going to be super awesome that everyone would like to come. And that requires us to be the one who drive that. Is there anything you want to promote or share with our listeners on the call today? Um, not really, but I mean, I definitely um, highly encourage, um, I, I think this is still a conversation and I, I love to have the conversation. So um, please, um, you know, follow me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email um, that, you know, if you have any question, happy to help and happy to support. Uh, but if you do, uh, you know, want to learn more about what uh, MCI uh, is doing and what MCI can do potentially for you, uh, welcome to check out our website, um, which is just mci-group.com. Sounds good. And for our listeners, we'll make sure to put a link to Sean's LinkedIn and also MCI on our website in the podcast description at cvent.com slash podcast. Sean, thanks again for joining the podcast. We loved having you on. I love this conversation with Sean. It was just so great to hear his perspective on the future of those international events. Yeah. And I really liked how he gave us some examples of how to get a true international experience to attendees while we're in this virtual world. Yeah, we're definitely going to want to check that out. And to get more episodes and exclusive content, head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. And if anyone out there would like to be on the show, please reach out to us at podcast at cvent.com. And before you know it, we will have another great episode. So we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.